This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mignon. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeble. And our topic this week is... Yannick, you need to make an intervention. Uh-oh. I've bought the Windows laptop. Uh-oh. Did you have any follow-up? I did not. I do not. So I think you'll have to do your inventor- intervention now. <laughs> so you bought a PC laptop. I did. Hmm. I'm sure the first question you have in mind is, why did I do such thing? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I guess you already know, so that's yeah. kind of why you're like, uh, but uh, I think I'll start with that. You know what? We'll start with why did I do such thing? During the pandemic, I think we've all had different new pastime, I would say. And one of mine has been to watch a lot of car videos. But I think what happened to, let's say, maybe the last 18 months, it did slowly but slowly drift away from just people driving cars to people repairing cars. And... um I think it was when we had that discussion, you and I, over our private channels, is we were we were talking about uh, competency porn was a term that John Syracuse had said in uh, multiple previous uh, podcasts of his. And surprisingly enough, uh, one of the channels that I've enjoyed recently called M539 Restorations was linked by him maybe, I think, a month and a half ago. And since then, I've like literally binge-watched all of the the guy's videos. I think he's morally recent on YouTube. But all of this is is I've always been curious about the software used to because I need to step back a sec. As you may or may not know, our cars are full of computers, and to do a lot of maintenance, like yes, you can repair parts, but to help your diagnostics of a problem. You need to talk to the car's computer, and as you may or may may not imagine, uh, getting to talk to those computers is problematic. It's not the right word, but a fun challenge because a lot of the car manufacturer will build their own software to do so, which. As let's say an independent mechanic, you can buy, but it can be costly. Or just people start to build software to do exactly that. So we've talked in different past episode about the OBD ports, which for which is which stands for onboard diagnostics, which is a standard since '96 here in North America that all cars, all car manufacturers needs to support. But they support kind of a standard set of functionality, like so they they, they support a standard set of codes so when there's a problem the car computers or the car's computers will emit different codes and a lot of those codes can be outside of this standard set or you have a standard code but to get a better understanding of the problem that the computers has found will give you a manufacturer specific code and to talk to all of the other computers usually you might need to have uh, more software so again uh, to kind of start to dip my uh, and into that uh, I wanted to maybe start running some of those software and tinker a bit and sadly historically speaking a lot of that software has been only developed for Windows so some of you might say why don't you want to run a VM on the first place and I think a VM is a good solution and even if I put the Windows signed up for that purpose a VM will still be a solution because let's say for sure for my new car um most software will run on the latest Windows version, but let's say if I were to look at some more used cars and I want to tinker with maybe early 90s, uh, no, late 90s, early 2000s car, 
a lot of that software still exists, but might be required you to run older versions of Windows, for example, from what I've seen, uh, mainly XP. So getting away from a VM might come back down the road, but for now, I really wanted to like not have to deal with the VM. I could have run a VM on my Mac, but my current personal Mac, which is a Retina MacBook Pro 2012, as a low storage space, so on the only 256 gigs of SSD. And currently, because Tony is back to school, uh, we are sharing this computer together. Uh, and of course, when I work, I have my work computer, but personally speaking, we're sharing the same computer, which means that yeah, I installed a lot of software, which meant that the storage on this computer is reasonable. But if I were to put v in like one or two VMs, that would go kaput more or less. Uh, we would run out of space. Again, this Retina MacBook Pro could have been working because, again, the goal was to tinker with uh, those Carmen and software. And to do that, you need to be in your car, not driving, but not at, at in your office, in your house or, or apartment. So I wanted something mobile or something easily I can easily bring next to the car. And last but not least, but that's a small tangent. It was not a real selling point for me to go there but it's a, it has been a bonus and i bought the computer and then realized oh that could uh, solve this too is it also could be my age of empires 2 machine <laughs> uh, i've brought that up a bit uh, i think last time i spoke about that in this particular podcast was when we talk about our game of the years yep. um which again i've uh i accidentally kept an eye on the steam's deals during this uh, holiday season and yeah i kind of bought something that i uh, didn't have no pc to run and that's mainly it so for that so to come back because i have a, i had a big tangent about car a lot of car stuff the main reason why was i wanted to tinker more about cars and that was kind of my gateway uh drug to get a windows laptop before I go into which PC I did I decide to buy, I kind of want to come back a bit about my previous ex Windows experience because in preparation for this episode and even when I started to buy, I kind of realized that even if I spend most of my time around computers, I'm kind of a Windows noob at this point. <laughs> last time I've like, I was about to say professionally, but last time I've like kind of daily used a Windows computer was more or less during college which literally finished like 10 years ago. So uh, I was kind of reminiscing of my experience at university, but luckily for me, I think, yes, I've used Windows PCs at university, but the, the main goal was to like, you, we would use like Eclipse, run some code in C++ or even in Java. Uh, that's problematic with Java, more more problematic with C++. And the requirement for the teacher, from the teachers more or less was saying like, we don't care what you use personally, but to run your code will use windows and eclipse so make sure that even if you've cross compiled correctly or you made sure that your c++ is compatible with multiple os's that it works okay with windows and the environment we decided so usually you would do your homework go back to school log in log into your user profile at school run your project make sure it works and then submit it to the teacher uh, but as this is way different with compared to uh both of our experience in college because we went in, uh, to college together where uh, I had a Windows VM, a Windows XP VM at home. We were using Windows at school and then we were actively using the Windows. Uh, I was at least actively using the computers provided by school, which was not something that I did in university. 
So this meant that this 10-year gap meant I have literally zero experience with Windows 8 and Windows 10. A little bit with Windows 7, uh, because I think my memory is failing when I was preparing the notes, so can you correct me if I'm wrong? But when we were in college, the PCs were still on XP. Yeah. But a lot of places were starting to go to 7, because 7 was the odd thing. At that yeah, time. I think 7 came out like maybe the first year we were in college. And because, surprisingly enough, compared to businesses, because I recall during my internships from 2008 to 2011, uh, the businesses I worked with, they already moved to Windows 7, but our CJEP, our college, was really slow at that. So you could say that my main, my last main experience running a day-to-day a PC was literally with XP. I had some familiarity with 7, uh, but... That's where most of my experience came back. And it's funny because when I started to talk with Yannick about those conversations, uh, I was kind of, because I know, like, uh, maybe you, I'll give you some time, not maybe, I'll give you some time to talk about your own experience with Windows in the past few years. But because of uh, your web developer profession, it's more family, not familiar, but more, uh, uh, some more normal occurrence that people might be using uh, PCs. And I know you've been using PCs for the last four or five years for sure at work. And a couple of the questions, like, you know, like I left, I lived in the world where XP was a security mess. You had to run like bloat software, antivirus, anti, all the things. And I think one of the first questions I asked you before, after we stopped ending talking about hardware itself was, do I really, really need to run an antivirus system these days or can I make it happen without? And what you said was more or less Windows Defender is fine. So I was like, oh, one thing I won't have to relive for my XP years. But so just to give you a, another perspective, I got my first computer in 2003, uh, just before I went into high school. And that's when my parents bought a PC without really knowing what they bought. Uh, and from 2003 to 2008, uh, we were having a PC at home, and that's also when uh, I went to high school, and my high school was a Mac school, uh, which were a rare occurrence here in Quebec. And that's also when I met Yannick, which we discussed in previous episode. And that's when I got introduced with the Mac by both my high school and by Yannick, uh, which meant that starting in 2008, when I bought myself my first iMac, uh, this is when I started to use VMs and slowly but surely transition away or move away from Windows officially around like 2011, 2012, let's say. So with that mindset set in place, you'll see where I will start my exploration in 2021 of Windows. But before we go there, I would like Yannick to talk about his more recent experience with Windows, just to get a, a small context to our listeners before we move to which PC did I buy? Yeah, I've been working in web development for various businesses since um, 2016, I think. That sounds right. 2016, 2015, yeah, right. in that range. And uh, the first job was at an insurance company. And I believe I was one of the last people to be set up with a Windows 7 machine. Uh, so I used Windows 7 there. And I, I think Windows 7 is a pretty big uh, stepping stone for Windows, where it sort of crossed a major usability threshold uh so it it was the first time it wasn't actively painful to use windows let's say that 
then when I changed jobs in 2017, I switched onto a uh, a machine that had Windows 10 installed on it. And in fact, the entire place was on Windows 10. And I have been uh, slowly and reluctantly getting used to uh, the Windows 10 updates every quarter or so uh, that change a bunch of shit. Uh, And it's actually really interesting because... While Windows 10 is the last technically major version of Windows that has shipped, and at least as far as Microsoft is concerned, they seem to pretty much be saying that Windows 10 is going to be the last version of Windows, there have been significant changes over the last few years that have actually made it uh, evolve in significant ways that we would not really see in point releases on the Mac, uh, to put it that way. Um, But yeah, so I've been using it pretty much nonstop uh for the last six five six years um i don't know how much more you want me to get into that like the the experience i had before that is pretty much comparable to yours like we've mostly always been a mac only household uh with, with regards to my family so uh i mean we had a pc briefly uh back when we lived in Mont Carmel that was like a Windows 2000 machine or Windows 98, mm-hmm. late Windows 98, early Windows 2000. Uh, so that was a completely different era. And then uh, like a, at a part-time job that I had, I was on Windows XP um, and I was exposed to XP via uh, college as well. So I, I've used pretty much everything from 95. Well, no, not even 95. Uh, everything between Win 3.1 to Windows 10. I've used them all um, to varying degrees. So I have a pretty good familiarity with all of it. And often I was in situations where I was just the computer guy. So even though I wasn't actively using the Windows OSs, like people would ask me to come and fix their shit anyway. So I <laughs> sort of had to learn how to deal with it. And uh, I watched tech TV a lot when I was a kid. So I saw a lot of it. I didn't necessarily have firsthand experience with it, but I've seen a lot of it through shows like call for help and the screensavers that really just like helped people fix their computer problems. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm very aware of all of the computer problems. It's funny that you mentioned this because I would say more or less in the last decade, more in the re- last recent five years, uh, when people ask me for help because they say, Oh, you're a programmer, which means you touch computers. Yeah. That's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yes. And usually they associate like programming and computers to their shit they do. So, and one of my easy excuses when I figure out it's Windows, I'm like, you know what? I haven't touched Windows in the past 10 years or past 80 years. And they're like, Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I've been on the Mac. So. I could help you, but I wouldn't be the best person to do that. And I might struggle to do so. Like, I don't want to venture there. And people are like, okay, yeah, you know what? Like, at least you tried something or at least you've been honest. So that's usually my kind of kind excuse or my small lie to just move away from those type of situation with no hard feelings. And I think maybe to foreshadow a little bit, your experience has been like, uh, if you did try to help them, especially since the Windows 8 days, you might have been completely fucking lost. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, that's an interesting point. Um, more on that uh, later when we talk about Windows 10 itself and my experience of the past few weeks. Uh, no, but I think for your context, I think that's what I was looking for. And one point that you brought up that I forgot to mention was that I think a lot of my friends had a similar experience to yours, not the Mac part, but the Windows part, where... Uh, 
I guess they got computer a bit earlier in their age or when they grew up with computer. It's not when I was a teenager that they got the first computer. So a lot, a lot, I have a lot of friends and I even recalled in high school going to my friend's place and then we were playing with their old shitty computer, <coughs> Windows 95, um, and that was crashing all the time. And that were my rare moments where I saw something where I saw literally what I saw called old computing because mm-hmm. Even if we can say today in 2021 that XP was pretty bare bones, it was night and day compared to what was before it. Yeah, definitely. One of my friends, Modal, has been... uh, She got a mister. Uh, I don't know if you know what a mister is. It's an FPGA device that can emulate a bunch of various computers and consoles. And now they have a Mac SE, basically hardware accurate FPGA emulation of a Mac SE on the mister. And she's been going back and basically exploring everything that was on the mac in the mac se days and so Mm. in the in recent days i've been talking a lot about old versions of windows and old versions of uh the mac os and it's been really interesting to hear other people's perspectives because there was how i perceived windows 95 as an outsider which was mostly if you went to the fancy uh, the fancy computer lab at Shawinigan High School, not the one that I had access to usually, <laughs> or if I went uh, down the hill to our neighbor Charlie's house and I saw them using Windows 95, like that was my exposure to Windows 95 mostly. I never really got to use it myself. I mean, like the one time I actually did go to that special computer lab at SHS was when Harry Potter had just come out and they were like, we're going to show you two things today that are going to blow your mind. We're going to show you the internet on Windows for the first time, which was mind-blowing. And uh, we're going to show you the Harry Potter website, which was like... The Harry Potter website is one of the heaviest websites I had ever seen at that point (laughs) because uh, we were living uh, in Mont Carmel at the time at the end of a really, really long road, country road. And we were so far away that uh, even though we had a 56K modem, like the fastest speed we could get was maybe 28.8 on a nice day. Oh, wow. So I could never load that website at home. And we were there like on the ISDN broadband line at school on this Windows 95 machine. And I was like, holy shit, you can load like these giant images. So yeah, like it's really funny to think about that now because I've had like these very limited but very impactful experiences on old versions of windows like coming in one day and using windows 3.1 in daycare for the first time it's like it's weird but i've been imprinted by very weird things on old versions of windows no you're totally correct and that's where i wanted us to give us uh context about our experience with windows because uh, again i never experienced okay i played a little bit with 95 but that's it i think i've had a neighbor that had a Windows NT machine because his mom had, had an office at home. Like she was working from home and, and she had an NT machine, which was weird. Uh, and the, your your uh, anecdote about the internet speed, like I never experienced 56K, like ever. Uh, once, I should say. Because. Do you mean dial up in general or do you mean 56K speeds? I also no. I should have said yes. Dial up okay. in general. Because, dial up. Okay, interesting. Because I think the only time I've used dial up it was uh, DSL, ADSL, mm. 
or maybe I've used 56. Technically, that dialogue. was under the umbrella of broadband still. <laughs> right. And the main reason I brought up is because, again, in 2003, I had a couple of friends that already had a computer uh, and already had an internet. And when we when we my parents really decided to say oh you're going to high school we should not say like computers are bad you'll need them for work at school uh they were like okay we need to call uh, our local isp and they were like okay we'll get the uh we'll get a high speed internet not like dial up and it was like one megabit per second and i was like everybody was freaking out at that time it was not too bad in 2003 but it meant that i went to let's say i was um I was going to some of my neighbor neighbor friends, and I think I used that computer maybe once or twice. And I recalled MSN Messenger being slow because mm. it was over 56k. I was like, "What's that?" I literally never experienced that. And that's kind of the tone I want to set here: is a lot of old shit that you could ex- expect a kid from the 90s like me to have experience as being a computer nerd. I did not because I consider that I've uh, started my computer life a bit, I shouldn't say late, but a bit older than a lot of people. A good example is uh, Yannick for that. So Yeah, we, we had the internet in 96. So Yeah, yeah. So so that's that. Um, so setting that aside, uh, let's move to, so we'll park that, excuse me. Uh, we'll come back to this whole context and experience when we move to what did I think, what happened with me reinstalling Windows, for example, because I bought a used computer. So I'll be setting some guidelines, knowing that I didn't really want to switch fully. Like it was a, it was a second computer. I didn't want to invest a lot of money, but I was always quite curious about what Microsoft was offering in the past few years. So I really wanted to get a Surface. But a problem is even on the used market, those machines are quite still expensive to this day. And the ones that are cheap are the ones that you shouldn't already buy today from the Microsoft Store. Because I was even looking, I don't have a clear example, but I was looking at some configurations that they sell today new. And it's crazy how low performance they are for 2021. Yeah, the market's been distorted a little bit because of M1, but it, the the way I would explain it is Microsoft started making Apple-like products with Apple-like resale values. <laughs> that's true. No, that that's true. Like I was surprised that maybe a two years old, three years old, and even if we compare to what I bought, maybe a three to four years old Surface is still worth five, six, seven hundred Canadian dollar. Yeah. And that was mind-boggling because I was expecting that they would fell like a rock like most Windows laptops do, right? Uh, but that's not. So then I turned to my best friend, Yannick, and I was like, dude, I want to get a PC. You know, like I've explained you why, which is more or less the first 20 minutes of this episode. I really want to surface, but you know what? I don't want to invest through like five or $600 on a side project that, you know what, maybe in a couple of months, I'll just like park aside. So... What should you suggest? And you first thing was like, yeah, don't buy a Surface. Like, it's too expensive. <laughs> because I think I told you, like, maybe around like $250, $300 out my budget yeah. was. And then you were like, I found what you should do. And you sent me a link. And the title of the link is called Used ThinkPads Buyer's Guide. Yep. And you was like, read this with a coffee and come back and this, like, this should be good for you. And and the gist of this is uh, from uh, Bubble Tech, uh, 
Yes. And uh, the person is more or less keeping this up to date. I think the last update, though, is a bit old, meaning that... Uh, I think it was last old. updated 2019, but it's still pretty relevant. Right. It is pretty relevant, but again, I'm, my point was to that the last update is maybe like 18 months old for this guide. Yeah. But, but the idea is this guide should give you a, an approximation of everything sold by Lenovo from 2014 2015 till 2019 when it was last updated and to give you a perspective of what are the lineups what they do they provide to you uh what the type of performance you should expect from them what type of upgrade mods you could do and what type what budget should you expect from a machine and for sure, I think one of the main advice from this guide uh, and we'll put a link in the show notes but it was to say, like, focus your search, like, decide which model you want to buy, uh, and then focus into a, like a lot of like uh, resellers or uh, recycle shop where they will set it with maybe even no RAM, no hard drive, so that you can get them super cheap. Like a lot of them, if I scroll to let's say the example we we will be talking about, uh, they they say like you can get maybe a five to six years old like. Uh, core i series uh, from for less than hundred dollars uh, for sure depending on the ram the r drive or if it was updated to ssd uh, the model i've been ta- i've i've looked at was in the 100 and 200 usd range but i didn't want to do like i wanted to buy a machine and more or less like i can play with it like today after buying it so the options of optimizing for cost and say like oh you know what i'll spend the money on buying a cheap ssd and putting ram like it was not really i want a turnkey solution for this problem and i was looking at the different lineup and i've more or less felt on the x series uh so they're small laptops uh more or less all of them are in the 12 12 to 13 inch i see here 12.1 12.5 and 13.3 inches devices so they are pretty small uh they're pretty lightweight but they do pack great battery life and the main reason for that is for most of them you can have two batteries in them which is interesting uh it's something i didn't know that uh, lenovo was doing which is you have like any other laptop an internal battery but you do have a carrying module uh at the back or at the bottom but also at the bottom of the laptop in the back surface and that can be used to to be a small uh, foot or angle stand so you have the outside battery that will uh, do the same kind of a tilted angle that the macbook air does but it's a different battery so it's a really more angle but it does mean that for a windows machine uh, battery battery life is quite good i was quite surprised i was playing for sure, when I played game, and we'll come back later on that, it was not too bad. It was really bad, but that's expected. But just for surfing the web, installing a couple of software, playing with software, uh, this is what I was looking for. So after a couple search, I wanted also one other criteria I had was because of COVID, uh, and even importing things from the US, which used to be quite easy and quite fast, uh, add some randomness to the delivery experience. So I've optimized to something like when I was looking on eBay, for example, I was optimizing for laptops that are local to Canada. So I don't mind if they're in Vancouver, but for sure staying in the same country, not having to do uh, too much imports uh, is removing some randomness to this. And I would expect maybe 
the laptop you arrive a couple of days after buying on eBay, for example. I even look into local ads, but uh, like Facebook Marketplace or even other things like Kijiji. But uh, in the end, the prices were better on eBay with with shipping. As the guide suggests, I decided to go with the ThinkPad. Um, I was looking at the X series, and the idea is they thought, especially the X two hundred series, um, and there's the 220, the 30, the 40, and 50. And depending of the second number, so the X2X, uh, this indicates the processor generation. So this is, uh, so I've, since I bought the X250, it's a Core i5, a Core i5 that I got in mind, but it's a G5 series. So I forgot what G5 means exactly. Uh, it's talking about the generation. I have to look. Yeah. Forgot to take note, but I, I think if I recall correctly, it's like 2016, more or less. So not too, not too old, not too recent. Performant enough to run a couple of software that might need a bit of power, but not too slow enough. Uh, I found a machine that was uh, that that RAM upgraded and also was swapped to an SSD. Got dual Lenovo battery uh, batteries. Uh, one thing that I felt was kind of a, a novel trick, but I think in the end. I, somewhat enjoy is uh, this one at the fingerprint reader option uh which we'll talk about more and it add the 12.5 inch display which has a resolution of 1366 by 768 and last thing i forgot to mention is the core i5 5300u at 2.3 gigahertz uh, for the cpu which i think overall uh, it meant that this machine even at 8 gig of ram is pretty fast for light browsing, couple of software, and even for running Age of Empire 2. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not running it at full eye, all that fun stuff, but that's not what I want. I just want to play the game. But that's, again, uh, in the end, the thing I've done the most with the computer, uh, which is funny. Uh, some of the software... Uh, I won't talk too much about the car maintenance software. I think I will reserve uh, possibly making no promises but a different episode for this but i've received a new dongle to talk with my car which goes with the specific software so i was having fun a couple of maybe a week ago uh debugging a small issue i had with my car so that was fun um but that's more or less i have to say with that uh so in the end uh it's funny because this buying experience was also another new experience for me uh, I was using the quote-unquote new functionality of making offers on eBay. Um, I really buy on eBay just because... Making offers on eBay is not new. I know, I know. That's why I said new, okay. uh, quote-unquote. It's only been there for 20 years. <laughs> really? I think so, yeah. Uh, okay. I think that if I were to look at my purchase history before buying this laptop, I think... The last thing I bought was, uh, oh, now I'm blinking on the name, but the DS game I played yeah, from the uh, suggestion. Yeah. I was saying Trace Memory, but that's not the one I'm, Ex- I bought. Exactly the same thing on this. <laughs> <laughs> so that one that we referred in a past episode, but before that, I think I haven't bought anything on eBay for the last six years. So, And I think at that time, making an offer on things was not as proponent of a thing as it is right now. But all of this to say, even if it's an old feature, I don't really care. It was new to me because uh, this product was where you can make an offer. And it's quite interesting. I uh, I think the UX around, around that where um, you are forced to make something happen in less than uh, five tries because you have more or less five tokens 
to make offers and uh, a token is more or less when you make an offer so let's say I make an offer the seller refuses and uh, come back with a counter offer and then if I say no that will use another token so a little bit of back and forth and then uh, luckily enough got it for th- it was uh, I think it was it was they were asking 300 with a bit of negotiation it was 275 plus shipping then it became 300 including shipping so I felt really really nice with this new experience on eBay again shipping was fast shipping from ship from Toronto so a couple of days later arrived was super excited uh and yeah on the topic of hardware uh this laptop didn't have the praised uh, ips display so those thinkpad could be upgraded to still a 12.5 inch display but you can move from a typical lcd display to an ips display which for sure is better and again not that i regret but i see why people like this mod to retrofit an IPS display in an, a laptop that didn't have it. I've seen that the most, especially when I played Age of Empire 2. Like you, the angles are not so great. I spent a couple of nights playing too much of it. And you really need to sit like really up front on the screen. And the second you're off angle for the viewing angle, like you see the kind of uh, the blurry effect. I, I, I know I forgot there's an exact term for this effect but I'm blanking on it. Uh, and you will see that the discoloration happens. The, the And it's okay, you know, like you force yourself to stay more into the, 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 the acute viewing angle that the display offers. Uh, but again, not going to in- invest into an IPS display. Uh, another thing I was really interested to do just for the sake of modding the thing, but never, don't plan to do it, is that uh, there's another PCI Express port that usually is used for uh, 3G, 4G SIM, not SIM card, but like uh, modem. Uh, my laptop then came with it, but because it's IBM, uh, well, Lenovo, excuse me, uh, all of the hardware is there except the chip. So when you order it from from new new from them, you just put in the card if you bought the option. So again, that could be a good option. And I've seen that you can use this exact same port to also have some small SSDs. Uh, I was looking a bit, this seems to be a bit, at this point, a bit harder to find. And especially again, a lot of it is like coming from China, coming from the US. So uh, while I think the SSD option might be something I do down the road, uh, it was not something I wanted to do today. So uh, that more or less concludes the hardware. I think this is the thing that charmed me the most uh, with my current experience. Uh, I felt this is a really lovely small laptop. Uh, I kind of dare to say that I kind of slowly falling in love with it. I, I was surprised by the hardware quality. Again, people that love ThinkPads are going to tell me like, shut up, you're saying obvious things right now. But <laughs> not that we're not believing those people, but it was a type of thing that I felt that you really need to enjoy it to understand that. And... Lenovo in the recent years also had their moments where they were starting to kind of do changes and to the ThinkPad lineup by removing the typical thing. So for sure, mine has a trackpad and has the the trackball, uh, which was not too bad. I used it a bit. You and mean the trackpoint thing? The trackpoint thing, yes. Yeah. So, um, and I know there's a lineup. I think it's kind of maybe the 2016 models or 20, no, the 2015 models. I think a couple of generations before this one. So let's add the 
the X250, I think it's the X240 or the X230, I forgot which one, uh, that they don't have this track point. Yeah, excuse me, it's the track, the X240 that don't have the physical track points because Lenovo was like, who cares about the track points in X year when they released? <laughs> and guess what? They went back to this because that's what uh, made them. Uh, one thing I never know about ThinkPad is the keyboard is splash proof. Uh, so if you spill something, uh, it will just, it will just, there's a small holes that make sure that it gets not funneled in the motherboard, but outside of the laptop. Not that I want to put water in my keyboard, but good to know. And it's a feature of ThinkPads that I did not know about. So I think overall, uh, even the build quality, the, like, for sure it's plastic. And it has been years since I have owned a plastic laptop. Uh, and I was surprised by the feel of the plastic itself. It feels really solid and it doesn't feel cheap either. Uh, it's kind of a bit of soft, especially the, the, the lid cover for the screen is kind of a soft material. So it, for sure it gets a bit scratch a bit more easily. So that's where for use machine you see the most not deterioration, but there's most kinks, I would say. Uh, but overall, even after five years, Yes, because I, I've looked, the warranty started in 2016 for five years, five years old laptop. Like it's really, really great. It, I guess it was well taken care of by the previous owners. But I do think that the way the, the material applies that they use also help for that. Um, so it was a good experience for sure. Even if it's a small laptop, I've realized that without the external foot battery, this laptop is as thick as that's, I would say, one and a half 15 inch macbook pros so i have the retina macbook pros here uh, with me either my personal one or the work one which is a bit more recent in 2012 uh so they're about like one and a half and then well maybe 125 and then when you put the battery for sure there's a error gap because it because of the angle but expect that it is as high at the is point as two macbook pro stacked together so while it is small it is a it's small and thick it's small and girty i, I could say uh, but it was really fun to uh, play with it around the house uh, so either it was sitting at a desk or on the couch and i really really enjoyed uh, the physical hardware of the thinkpad so for sure on that point ionic i really gladly thank you for the recommendation because i think with this guide it helped me make a great decision it's one of the rare times that you actually benefit from me uh, hanging out with all of these unix people who really love thinkpads yes <laughs> because yes. i had this link on standby like i've i have a lot of um i've been doing a lot of research about linux and bsd recently and i just had this lying around in my pile of like uh unix related links i'd gathered because uh thinkpads have traditionally had really good hardware support in both linux and uh bsd uh so uh there, there are a lot of fans in those communities and the fact that it is one of the most user serviceable laptops on the market right now is also a big selling point for a lot of people and like to me thinkpads are like the flip side of the apple hardware community where it, they are just as passionate as we are, except for completely different reasons. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean their product is low quality. It's incredibly high quality as well. It's just on optimized for different axes. Oh, no, totally. And that's why I realized that it is really a professional laptop and professional devices. It is yeah. optimized for office working or like 
businesses that owns like ten thousands of them. Uh, it's kind of crazy on that front. And you know what? If somebody were to ask me, you know what? I don't like Macs. I want a PC, and I will just like do normal things, not gaming. So, uh, and even if realize that there are some uh, more optimized for gaming or for big GPUs, there like there is some uh, lineups of ThinkPad for that. I think they are a great recommendation for people that want a good PC. So I was, it was not surprising to hear that or me thinking about that, but it was surprising for me to feel it, to experience it. And since we talked about the, the surface resale values, the reason that the uh, ThinkPads get such good resale values is because they're targeting business. They have so much volume in business channels that you can it's pretty much like buying a honda civic like you can just find whatever you want on the used market pretty easily uh so yeah it's it's pretty nice yeah, for that reason i don't know if the civic uh analogy still holds up in 2021 but i wouldn't say that they have a, a great resale value because they're pretty cheap like for a five years old laptop to be three hundred dollars and even like in, in the u.s you would be able to find it cheaper but I mean, I mean when you buy them new, they are sold at Apple prices. Right. So that's why they're like, they lost a lot of value in three, four, five years. But like you said, there's, this is mainly because they flood in the used market. Yeah. Because you can find the one you want without having to mod it. That's, if you're, if you're patient, you really, really can just wait on eBay set alerts and like wait for the one that has the IPS display that has the most RAM installed from factory that has already an SSD from the factory and not just swapped uh, and has all the options. Those are rare, but you can find them. And I think that's what is interesting about the lineup. And if you're a bit impatient, you can just buy a project. Like I guess, <laughs> yeah, like a car, <laughs> uh, you could say. So really interesting. And I think your civic analogy, like again, it fits that they're maybe... They hold somewhat their value, but because they're a lot, you can just buy the one you want. Means that the price go a bit lower because they're not rare. Is yeah. more or less what I'm trying to say. It's not like you're shopping for a used M5 or whatever, and you're like, "Well, I was really wanted that option," and it's like, "Well, there are only so many M5s you can find on the used market right now." Oh yes, oh yes. Or oh, even with the night, the newer 911s, it's like, "Oh, but mine has the funky color that I paid that I paid twenty thousand dollars plus my seat belt that color plus the uh, leather is that other colored because I'm a rich motherfucker." <laughs> that says, "Yeah, we'll stop there." But <laughs> let's go back to PCs for tonight. Um, one thing I was about to forget though uh, is to come back a bit about the fingerprint reader and. While I didn't start out to get this, I, w- I was really interested for that. And it's kind of a bit of it or miss. And it, the reason I bring it up here is I don't know if it's because of the hardware, the software, or a combination of both. But it's not like the Touch ID where you just put your thumb and it unlocks. You kind of need to do a swipe gesture of your finger. So it kind of, because the, the, the viewfinder of the reader is small, so it needs to kind of read your finger so your finger needs to move on it for it to to real you read your own uh fingerprint uh and i have a lot of moments when the windows uh the laptop wakes up uh and it's like okay put your finger or put your password and then you swipe and it's like nope so you swipe nope you swipe slowly no and then you swipe again on it and it worked and sometimes rock solid i swipe once it works fine so it is a nice addition 
Uh, I haven't experienced Touch ID on the Mac yet uh, because, again, most of my all of my lap, Mac laptops are old, uh, too old for that. Uh, but compared even to Touch ID on the phone in the past, I felt that is a bit really it or miss. And I'm starting to feel a bit disappointed by it, even if it, I was not looking forward to it. I felt that even on the Windows side, like you expect, like, okay, this your session, uh, but other things, I don't know if it's because of Windows or other things. Like, for example, I install one password. I always need to type a password. I cannot use that Windows LO functionality. I don't know if it's because one password is, is not... Uh, take advantage of those APIs or because those APIs does not exist. Yeah, uh, they would... don't exist as far as I know. Mm, okay, so that's why. And even for the what they call Windows Hello, like it's not everything that supports it inside your Windows laptop or even your Microsoft account, which is a bit strange. Good. So let's move into the software section, the Windows experience. The and... culture shock, shock section. <laughs> not really. <laughs> And that's what maybe I kind of teased to you in the past few days. Like, yes and no. And you're here out. But first, let's start about reinstalling Windows because, as I said, it's a used computer. So even if it came pre-installed with Windows 10, I assume that the installed and everything that was on the SSD was uh, really, like, radio- radioactive because, again... You don't really know what happened. So first thing I really wanted to do, yes, I played a bit with it, but I didn't put any personal data on it because, again, I don't know what's on this uh, SSD. So before doing even all of that, uh, from the guide, they were suggesting go in the BIOS, go make sure that uh, this lap, that your laptop is not running. I think it's called CompuServe or Compu something. Not CompuServe because CompuServe is an ISP from a long time ago. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, so let me let me look. So uh, it's compute uh, uh, Intel AMT or Compute Trace. Ah, okay. And this is more or less the uh, find my find my iPhone, find my Mac version for Windows and for businesses. Uh, and a lot of businesses will use that, and you don't want to buy a laptop that has a, that still has it enabled because somebody can decide to remote wipe your laptop and stuff like that. So I started by going back into the BIOS and experience the BIOS again, or Never even if forget. it's not all the BIOS, but like that concept was uh, lost on me. Because on the Mac, you literally never have to do that. So that was fun to go back into those old screen, like gray and blue. And I'm sure I seen that and people can already imagine old screen because those screens from literally 30 years ago are exactly the same on a 2021 laptop or a 2016 yeah. laptop. And that still boggles my mind that they're not able as PC makers to make something looking good. They don't, they're not able to make the BIOS aesthetic. You should have bought like a Republic of Gamers laptop or something. They make the BIOS look completely like red and lit up in neon like it's a gaming PC. Oh, really? Oh, (laughs) my goodness. Maybe I should have done that. So, again, I didn't have to dick around too much in the BIOS. Uh, Just making sure that I could I go in the security section and that computer race is either not present or disabled or inactive in my case it was literally non-present so either it got cleanly wiped out or it was never used on that laptop which i think if you don't see the option it meant it was never used um so that was fun the other fun thing i had to do after figuring out how to get in the bios and all that fun stuff is the lenovo laptop is my only windows laptop and like i said because i assume it's radioactive because it's used 
I don't want to create a USB stick to install Windows, fresh Windows from it because I'm a bit crazy on this. I'm kind of like, I need to find a way to figure out how to do a US, uh, installable USB stick for Windows 10 from my Mac. And I was not expecting that to be a journey, and it was. Uh, and it is for multiple reasons. So a lot of the guys you'll find on the web today will tell you, you know what? Bootcamp is your friend. Just use Bootcamp. <laughs> the problem with Bootcamp is that it will make your USB stick EX fat, which you say, oh, yeah, it's, it's the new version of fat and everything is fine. But no, no, it only makes it work as a bootable stick for the Mac. I don't know why. I tried multiple times from the laptop, couldn't boot from this stick. The second I put it on the Mac and reboot and then hold it as a boot destina- bootable destination, guess what? It worked. So I was well, like, for, for all we know, it could work on other laptops, just not the one you have. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, that's why I'm saying is maybe. We don't have proof really that it doesn't work. It's just it doesn't work on your laptop. That is fair. That is fair. I don't know if... That's a good point. I don't know if it's a BIOS thing not supporting EXFAT or it's a Windows thing. So I would have assumed it's something in the BIOS that doesn't like those at bootable destination. Although EXFAT has been around for a very long time, so I would be shocked if that's it. (laughs) I know. So that's why I kind of like, uh, why? So we come to the second part. The other half, I'll say 49% of... Yeah, forty-nine percent of the guys said the guides said use boot camps. The other, the other forty-nine percent says just make it a fat, a fat thirty-two USB stick and then use boot camp and it will work. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't work. And I won't make you guess anything because we've I've bitched to you multiple times about this, but and i also suggested something that i was convinced was going to work and it did not work either right. so i got we'll go to that but the main this. problem so it used to work up until i think one of those updates that Yannick was talking about about windows 10 that changed so much that one of the installer file is bigger than 4 gigs and you think sure who cares about bigger than 4 gigs but let's go back into the 95 and windows <laughs> 2000 days where fat 16 and FAT32 add size limits because the way of those uh, file systems are built. And of course, FAT32 cannot accept files that are bigger than 4 gigs. So it would correctly, quote-unquote, copy it. Maybe, maybe not. At least it wouldn't tell you that it's too big. So you have to figure it out. Then Yannick suggested, just use DD. Just make your USB stick literally an exact clone of the ISO image and it should just work. I was like, and it's traditionally always worked for like Linux ISOs, and I, I believe I've even used Windows ISOs that were obviously multiple years ago, so they didn't have the the size limit or whatever. But like, it traditionally works. It's not like something stupid. So I was fairly convinced it was going to work. Knowing that, I assume that DD is like FFmpeg that you need multiple incantation to make it work. I agree with you, Yannick. You tell me, told me multiple times that DD is way simpler than FFmpeg. But again, they're the same. DD, if you screw it up, you screw it up bad, and you can just fuck up your hard drive. So you gave me the incantation I needed to do. I tried it. I waited a long time. <laughs> Very long. long time. It's really long to do it. Then 
I tried to boot it, didn't work. So first, Yannick was super flab- was quite flabbergasted in the work, and me, I was also disappointed. And at that point, I was kind of like, you know, I'm sure the stupid solution I found because the remember I said there's still two percent of the guides online that were talking about other solutions. So a lot of those guides started to get updated, saying, yeah, because Windows 10 is so big now, you need to have an NTSC, uh, NTFC. Oh my goodness, NTFS. Thank you, NTFS. USB stick. Um, and by default, macOS doesn't support this file system. So either you install uh, open uh, fuse, say fuse? Op- open fuse, yeah. Open fuse uh, plugin that will add support to macOS for NTFS file systems. Or this is a solution I decided to use, which is there is um homebrew project called and it's called i forgot to write the name of it uh wimlib and this is more or less a mac cli tool that is allowing you to play with a windows installer file or the content of an iso file and there is a command in this tool that allows you to but so first of all they suggest you that you uh, use this util to reformat and make sure that USB stick is uh, in FAT32 with the MBR and all that fun stuff. And then you can tell it. So first you copy all the files except one file is on in the folder called source slash install.wim. And this is the file that is usually super, super big. And then you would use winlib and they have a command called split which will take your wim file and then give you multiple swm files that and then you can provide the size so it will let's say here i think it was like three thousand megs so it would give you more or less two files or three files depending on the size and by doing that i plugged in my fat32 key and it worked and it started installing windows and that took a good long evening let's put it this way so uh, it honestly felt like it was an entire day that you lost on this I, I i wouldn't be surprised because i think i started to look into i received a laptop during lunchtime because that's when uh, canada post truck came in and then i started to look into it i tried a couple of things then it worked then went back to work tried a couple of things went back to work and then throughout the night i was trying to figure out and and after the idea was like i'm third i'm not doing the open fuse solution with NT, ntfs that's too crazy for me. I'm not even convinced it would have worked, honestly. <laughs> Knowing what I do about how Fuse works, I don't think it would have worked. <sighs> yeah, like, seriously, my last resort solution, if this uh, WinLib wouldn't have worked, literally was to figure out somebody that has a Windows PC to literally <laughs> do the thing for me. But luckily for me, this worked. So I'll put the link in the show notes from Switch to Mac. And that's funny because Yannick was saying that, why is it called switch to Mac if it's allowing you to do Windows things on Mac? So that was weird blog, but their post about how to create a Windows state bootable USB stick on the Mac works flawlessly. So suggested. Great suggestion for that. Next up, we're now at the installation part. Um, to come back to my BIOS comment, I'm still flabbergasted that the installer itself is still so low res. 
why in 2021 the Windows 10 installer is like running in an 80 by uh, 800 by 600 window with like 256 color. I still don't understand why. It doesn't have video drivers for your device. I know it doesn't. I, I, okay, I say I say I don't know. I, I don't understand why, but I do understand why because I know it's about the fucking drivers. But it's still like, why? Why can we not make something more aesthetic for this? And it's a bit sad, but I guess that's the joy of drivers. Uh, another problem that I was surprised that was still around for Windows, which Yannick was surprised by that, was that when you choose the language at install time, you're forced to stick with it. I still haven't figured out to, how to download because Yannick were telling me, I think you can now download language packs that will bring back the same experience as on macOS, whereas you can change your Windows installation language so you can go from French to English, which is going to be important for me. Uh, but again, uh, I haven't looked into that. I've stick to French and let it, let it this way. But the fact that Windows 10 still doesn't come with uh, an open choice of like, let's say today I want to run my Mac in French and tomorrow I want to run it in English. I don't need to install things. It's all like the localization is all included in uh, the OS. Still strange to me coming from the Mac world. But overall, you run the installer uh, after that, after those small two gripes on my side, there was no too, not too much any issues. There was a couple of reboots that were weird, but in the end it installed. So I think it took maybe an hour to fo- like wipe the wipe the whole drive, reinstall Windows on top of what was the old drive and then make it happen. Maybe an hour or two. I think I even let it overnight because it was starting to be late after figuring out all those, how to make a a Windows 10 bootable USB stick. And then the next morning, everything was fine. So that was great. Went through the tutorial, not the tutorial, but the onboarding things. And surprisingly enough, the I don't know if you've installed Windows 10 yourself at work. Or it was already I've installed? I've installed Windows Server based on Windows 10. So I've used the installer, but I don't know if you're talking about something that's specific to the consumer version. I wouldn't be surprised if it's specific for the consumer, the consumer version because it's really kind of a, a non-boring tutorial that tells you, oh, you want to allow your privacy settings. You, what to oh, I've seen name. that. Yeah, yeah, you get it once in a while when you have a big system update. Like when you have the big quarterly updates, you get it again with the new features or whatever. Oh, like macOS does yeah. uh, when sometimes it needs or wants you to confirm, oh, yeah, you really want, don't want to share things with developers or you want to share your stats with Apple and all the fun stuff. But my point is to say it, it really reminded me of macOS for this. I think it was well-made. And in the places that it was straight, it was as strange as macOS where the content is dynamic and the view is not scrolling well because it was not really designed for the content it contained and it was so familiar and so broken, not so broken, but broken in ways I was so familiar with that it really <laughs> made me laugh. But again, I think once that part was there and once some drivers were installed, because I think that's after the Windows 10 installed, uh, like that was really polished and I was... Dare I say surprise to see a well as polished experience from Windows. And I think that's when I started to realize that, you know what? Windows 10 overall, I think is quite polished. My small kind of caveat to this is I think right now after three weeks, I haven't had to go in 
too deep in Windows. I didn't went into registry. I didn't have to go into the advanced menu. So the new settings panel that is like really, really built on top of the uh, Windows 10 UI paradigms. Uh, I, all the settings I needed to play with this. Maybe I went in one layer deep, which is kind of one of those kind of uh, the Explorer windows that shows up after that. But I didn't went into like, I went by accident into the uh like added lead programs like uh, add and remove programs that is yeah. kind of the old one redesigned and then i realized you know what i could have done that in the new windows 10 one because even the new windows 10 one will allow you to manage a lot of the microsoft store apps but not the old one i was like okay yeah i went too deep for no reason which was interesting but starting my experience installing windows after the installer has copied everything which was low res as discussed I was really surprised by the polishedness of the user experience there. It, it felt really that people made sure to make this a great experience, a kind of a welcoming experience. I recall reinstalling Windows 10, uh, Windows XP 10,000 times because A, I was, we were studying kind of a bit of IT support a, a bit in college too, not too much, but we added that. And even during high school, we were playing, having a lot of like computer science projects like these. Uh, so I reinstalled Windows XP too much times. <laughs> and I recall the experience was like, oh, yeah, I think, was it the one that had quotes when it was installing? I think it was. It was I kind of like, a, not quotes, but the marketing quotes, like, oh, Windows XP is so great at doing Dex because oh, yeah, yeah, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Windows and 95 like, onwards has always had that. Mm, I don't think they, Windows 10 had that too much. No, so. I think it stopped at Vista. Mm-hmm. and even the kind of the, the first the first start experience was not really that great so it surprisingly me kind of left me in a good spot and to go back to the uh you use thinkpad guys guide uh bios guide wow um i also realized that lenovo did great to their customers because Yes, you have a Windows 10 installed, but again, you have nothing installed driver-wise. And we all know we need the appropriate drivers. And on the Microsoft Store, there's an app called Lenovo Vintage. And the name suggests just, I think it's called Vintage for their old products, more or less. But it's a self-managed app that you installed. And it takes care of managing the Lenovo side of things which means that it knows which hardware you have in this laptop and it installs all the right drivers for you. So I had literally kind of an App Store-like experience. Yes, it was not in the Microsoft App Store experience, but the fact that it was literally what click installed, oh, like refresh to see all the updates, click installed, and then voila, all the drivers were installed correctly was really, really, really like ease of, easy to use. I was not expecting. I was really expecting myself to go on the Lenovo website, download all the drivers one by one, install them one by one, making sure that I reboot every time I install one of them one after the other. You know, like like all Windows. Uh, and again, this is I I will assume this is something that not only Lenovo is doing, but the way Lenovo has done it, it's really great. And I'm expecting that. Once every couple of time, I go into Lenovo software. For sure, this Lenovo Vintage app has a couple of things. I think it has kind of a, uh, in the uh, task tray, it has 
its own icon that has more functionality, but you can disable. It can also add more crap software if you want. You can say no. It doesn't install it by default, which is nice. Uh, I know a lot of it is is related to their extended warranty. So because the warranty expired and there was no extended warranty on it, I was not forced to install it. But of course, they like, oh, you should install it to make your PC secure. Uh, but overall, if you know where to click and figure out where to click, uh, it's not too bad. You click install on the drivers and then for that, it is really great. Yeah, I think that's something that most major uh, manufacturers do nowadays. They have the little app, but like I think Lenovo probably has the best taste of all of them uh, with their application. I've seen the Dell one in action. Uh, my mm-hmm. boss's computer is a Dell and he has the extended warranty on it. And what hilariously happens is it'll often come up and pop up and say, well, it's time for your weekly maintenance. I'm oh. going to run maintenance right now, and you can't say anything about it. Otherwise, we'll void your warranty. And it's just like, what the fuck? Really? Oh, wow. It's like this weird blackmail. So one time we were like in a meeting, and it was just like, guess I'm not doing the meeting because my computer wants to do maintenance. Oh, wow. So don't get it, Dell. <laughs> Yeah, so that's when I learned also this this computer was from 2016. Uh, also, I learned it was from the, from the U.S. because one time I just, for the low, click on the buy extended warranty and it was telling me, oh, we detected you're from Canada, but this laptop is not from Canada. So do you want to go to the Lenovo U.S. website? I was like, no, no, okay, okay, that's good. So, so yeah, so really interested. I also learned that Lenovo gives you three years of warranty by default. I was like, oh, okay. Nice. So I'm kind of slowly but surely learning a bit more about Lenovo's business plan, business cases regarding their laptop division, uh, which was interesting. So now that Windows 10 is fully installed, uh, let's talk about installing apps themselves. So first, uh, Windows 10 itself comes with a little bit of junk. Uh, One example of that was I had the Office apps installed, but they were not the Office apps that you know. They were just fake apps that were linking to the uh, Office 365 version. So I had to clean them up a bit. I also realized that when you open the Microsoft Store app, there was a lot of updates that came through it. I think the calculator and the Xbox Live Play or something is getting updated for that. So I had to do a bit of cleanup of those kind of of those Microsoft apps that came installed. Does Windows 10 still come pre-installed with Candy Crush? Uh... Not that I know of, because I just before installing, I kind of scroll quickly to see which app I installed myself, uh, and I don't recall seeing that. That makes me laugh every time I'm at work and I look in the <laughs> in the start menu and I see Candy Crush that's there, and I think there's like a Twitter web app that's there too. It's really weird. One thing that I've used that is one of those kind of like default app install is the uh, email app. Uh, just to put my email there it was not too bad uh, at first funnily enough getting to getting it to recognize my gmail account was uh, quite the fun story I, w- I would go through the two-factor authentication with like the the window the web view and all that fun stuff and then it will fail at the end so after multiple tries it just worked i think i had to reboot typical uh but uh that's mainly the main kind of non-default app that i use and of course also uh Yannick and I were having a discussion and I think it's a small section here part of the apps install is like which browser should I use because I'm always <laughs> using Safari and Safari for for Windows is got is dead for years uh and the gist of our conversation was saying Meh, Firefox 
uh, no Chrome, lol Internet Explorer, and then I guess Edge question mark. And well, to be fair, I didn't say no Chrome. You said no Chrome. Oh yeah, sorry. I I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I did say ugh, Chrome. Um, but yeah, so but I kind of assumed that I would kind of be forced to install Chrome. In the end, I did not. I'm using Edge for now. Uh, it's fine. Uh, for a couple of times, it was telling me that it was too out of date, that I needed to install it from the website, and I click on the website, and for Windows, there's literally zero link to download it. I didn't understand why. After a couple of kicking it out, trying to figure out the like the Chrome semi, semi or the Edge semi column, the config page to figure out how to really force the update, uh, I made it work, and that was a funny moment with it. But overall, it's doing great. Uh, I really enjoyed the one password interaction, though it is a bit weird because it seems that uh because it's kind of chromium it's using the uh the chromium extension from one password which is not like safari where when you unlock the one password app on your mac it also unlocks the extension that kind of seems to be unlinked where uh on windows which is a bit interesting but i think it's a limitation because uh the uh, Chromium or Chrome extension app is kind of a web app on its own uh, that you need to log in into your credential, your own one password account. Uh, and it's not like a local sync with the app running. I've installed Line just for the sake of installing Line. And uh, for sure, I installed Steam and Age of Empire 2. And the other thing I wanted to play a bit is the iCloud sync tool, which I had a limited experience when my parents used to have a PC, which now. It's it's behind me waiting for me to go put it at the uh, recycle center. Uh, and it was not too bad when I used it for my parents. But since I have a lot of data in iCloud, it's not so great. So for the iCloud, like kind of Dropbox functionality, it's fine. I can access my PDFs, I access all of the documents I have in it. For sure, it doesn't sync any contacts, calendars, notes. All of that is you need to go through the web, which... Okay, like I, there's an, an email client that has a calendar. I kind of will I assumed it would synchronize calendar contacts, but no. So that was a bit disappointing. Uh, the win, the photos functionality, I don't know why it's, it works, but it's kind of a, just an explorer window. So it's like no albums, no nothings. I figured out earlier tonight before we start to record that there's a different app for shared albums. But if you go into the explorer, uh, and you go into the iCloud photo section, there's no albums working. I don't know why. Uh, and even the uh, long list of images, there's nobody on any specific order for this. So it was really interesting to install this just for the sake of, I say I can have access to my iCloud on Windows, but it's really, 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 really bad. Uh, another thing I couldn't even try because it doesn't support Edge yet is uh, password sync and bookmark sync i think password sync is only available in chrome and bookmark sync is available in firefox chrome and internet explorer that's it <laughs> so so yeah so that's my limited experience with icloud on windows let's put it this way uh and last but not least uh i installed a for scan so for scan which is uh, one of the tools that has been built by uh, uh a company that is to scan the uh Focus, uh, the focus, the Ford specific, uh, 
computers in a Ford car, but especially talk the Ford language with those computers and not just the standard OBD2 port. Uh, yes, you use the OBD2 port, but the standard language part of the OBD2 spec. So to get some more diagnostics uh, and I have something broken on my car, not too bad, but uh, it was fun to play with that and see. Uh, I know I know how to fix it. Uh, I will go to the car mechanic for this because it's a bit too advanced for me at this point, but it was fun to play with this tool and see what more details it was giving me. So I'm expecting to install more software like these. There's an, even another one that this one is for free. Uh, but it's about uh, upgrading my uh, sync system to the latest version that is F compatible with my car, but Ford doesn't officially support with my car, which is quite funny. So I guess if you get the 2019 and the 2020 uh, Ford car with sync, which is still sync 3, you get the 3.4 update, but my car cannot get from the official channel 3.4. Uh, but from unofficial channel, uh, you can have a USB, an update USB stick that you can create with this such software. So there's a couple of things I still want to use with that. And I have other plans for the future, uh, depending on which car I get in the future to play with that. Regarding uh, installing other apps, so as you might guess, a lot of the apps I mentioned are not installed. Uh, no, iCloud and Line were installed through the Microsoft Store, which gave me the opportunity to just Go see what's on the Microsoft Store. <laughs> um, there's a lot of games, which I think is nice. Like if you're a gamer and you don't want to rely on Steam, I don't know why you don't want to rely on Steam, but... Um, Sometimes you, know, you don't have the option, actually. Oh, th I would have assumed that there's specific games that that's that. Hopefully for you, they're not only on the Epic Store, because you, you know, I'm sure you don't want to install the Epic Store app. But if they're only in the Microsoft Store, that's okay. But I think one thing I did is uh, I first recalled that Windows XP didn't came with a PDF, PDF viewer, which seems that now Windows 10 comes with one, which I was like, oh, so refreshing to have a preview-like application. But first, I kind of was like, let me go see what are the PDF readers or PDF viewers app. And yeah, that's, that's not that much great apps on the store. Like, I was looking at the game section. There's a lot of games. I was looking at the product section. There's a lot of like Office, Adobe apps, like big name apps. But the second you start to search for like like for popular keywords, you realize there's a lot of junk, and that was weird. And I wasn't sure how to trust which app, like unless I knew it came from like a really really well known vendor. Let's put it this way. Uh, so I don't know if there, again, we've discussed in multiple previous episodes about the lack of indie devs on Windows. But even if there was some, like, I wouldn't be surprised that you wouldn't want to go to the uh, Microsoft Store because the apps that I've seen that were not made by big vendors, that even those big vendors, you would go through their website because they will also offer this option. It was Surprised to see that it was not so much great content. Especially we talk about, like, I don't want to go into the politics of the App Store and 30% yeah. <laughs> of that fun stuff, but I'm not saying you cannot not find junk on the App Store, but I felt sometimes it's a bit, you need to dig to find some in my, in my experience. Nothing scientific, just my experience. For sure, I don't, I don't surf on the App Store every day. Uh, usually I go and have a purpose. So I kind of forced it a bit with the Microsoft 
not force my search of it, but just like force me just enjoy trying to enjoy this app. So you might say that I'm a bit biased for that, and I agree, maybe a bit, but overall, um, it was a bit weird. So I guess I would rely a bit more on keep making sure that I know which app I installed and uh, making sure it is recommended by a trusted source. And I'd even say that some of the trustworthy software that is made by uh, small to medium-sized software developers, they simply chose not to be in the Microsoft Store. Partially because Microsoft Store is horrible in terms of actual user experience and reliability over time. But the other thing is just like there are a lot of these small software vendors who are philosophically opposed to distribution through an app store model and they have right. nothing to do with it right right so so yeah um i think overall that concludes my section about windows are windows software itself i was pleasantly surprised that at this point i didn't run into too, in too much windowisms if you can understand what i mean for sure a lot of the things i've done was surfing the web uh, using cross-platform applications, and for sure, I'm expected. I'm expecting some of those car maintenance software to be shitty Windows applications still, <laughs> with like Windows XP look. So I have my expected my bar. My bar is set low for those apps, and yeah. So, but even for them, they're like surprisingly creative. Uh, not UX wise, for sure, they're fuck ugly, but. Uh, one of the things is like the one of them was talking with hardware uh, for sure because it's a USB. It still need like I still have a couple of Windowisms. Like, oh, I need to select the com. Which com? I the my USB dongle is connected to. But at least oh, that's still a thing. <laughs> yes, but at least like it there was an auto detect, but you could still select it. But they, like in the guides I was reading, is like oh, go into the system, the the preference app, and make sure that USB dongle is at that com port confirm that the software is not is really doing its job correctly at auto selecting uh so there was no me predefining which com it is just like confirming what windows is saying to the software is the right thing uh so those are the main windowisms i i've seen but overall my like i was not like fully deep into like i'm only using that but there was moment that i had my laptop I had my iPad, and just for the fun of it, it's like, no, I'll, I'll use the Windows laptop. Yes, it's a new toy. I was like, wanted to read some of my emails. And I was like, yeah, I want to use it. And I think that's how we'll conclude this episode after two, three weeks with this laptop is, for sure, in the past week, I was busy with a lot of things, and it's behind me on the couch, sleep. Oh, man. Oh, oh crap. I'm about to conclude and forgetting to talk about sleep. Uh-oh. <laughs> No, I didn't have bad experience with sleep, but I, first of all, I have an experience like, you know, the M1 where it's like you open the lid, as we've seen with the Craig videos, where you open the lid, it's like, boom, like an iPad, it's instant. But now that I've experienced sleep wake on Windows, my quest is not too bad on Intel for sleep and wake at times. Yep. Because when it goes in deep sleep, it's like the Windows laptop is rebooting. Because mm-hmm. I see the Lenovo logo like it's booting up, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And then it's spi- there's a spinner because I think it's the Windows Boot Manager that still is kind of taking care of this. I think I might be wrong, but that's my impression with the the screens I see. And then 
I think 15, 20 seconds later, then, then when those kicks in and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're on the lock screen and then you need to unlock with your finger or your password. I'm like, not that it's long, but this maybe 15 to 20 second delay where I see the Lenovo logo with the spinner reminds me that Windows is still not up to where macOS is and even iOS is on wake times. Uh, but again, on top of that, though, like I said in the past, maybe five days, I haven't used the laptop too much. Didn't use, didn't use too much energy. Still unplugged, so I was I opened it today to take a couple of notes in preparation for this episode, and it was fully charged when I put it on sleep. And I think it lost like maybe ten percent in a couple of days. So I was like, huh, okay, yes, it is slow at waking up, but it is performing as good as I expect a Mac to perform when it's on sleep and not using too much the battery. But again, surprising to me how slow waking up from sleep is in 2021 on a Windows laptop using an SSD. Like I, those times, I'm sure they are longer if you have an hard drive. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I'm expect like they're so sl- they're so slow, quote unquote, that I'm expect. I mean, like, is that the fucking hardware in my laptop? Because it's not like the couple of seconds that it takes for a Mac laptop to wake up. So. So that's the the small uh, note I forgot to mention about sleep wake times with this laptop. So conclusion, um, as you might have guessed from this long episode about me getting a Windows laptop, I'm surprisingly surprised by Windows 10. Uh, for sure, I I'm slowly, fully, fortunately falling in love with ThinkPad hardware, uh, and I think that's a big revelation. I was not expecting it to be that good. And not because I didn't have I expect. I think it's because I have low expectation. I was like, I was ready to be surprised, and I was surprised. And for Windows 10 itself, I think I was not ready to be surprised. And I came out after a couple of weeks, more or less, saying like, you know what? It's not too bad. And I wouldn't be surprised that the more I use it, I'll start to see some of the Windowsism. I'm eager to see six months, a year from now. How will the PC react after me maybe installing a couple of software, getting rid of a couple of software, having a lot of more files than maybe having big games that takes, yes, a lot of space, but still I think I have 150 gigs free on this uh, SSD. So I'm eager to see when I have more data on it and this is getting fuller. Will it start to slow down a bit? I'm eager to see this performance over time because for now, yes, it might not be the fastest laptop on Earth for sure, but it is a surprisingly new tool for $300 that I really enjoy. So earlier you had the the point where you said like uh, it, it feels really polished and that you didn't really run into anything that felt unpolished when you were working on the computer. And I will qualify that by saying you were basically lucky that everything worked out fine. Uh, if you had run Possibly. into issues with windows that is when the seams start to show a lot more um i don't know if you saw the news today microsoft is making this big deal out of we're going to remove every windows 95 icon from windows 10 in this fall uh because there were still icons (laughs) left over from windows 95 in the resource files and of course they're not changing the window layouts at all they're just changing the icon resources and in many in many circumstances the icons they're replacing them with are uglier than the windows 95 icons so i'm not sure what they're planning to accomplish with that but well wait but 
what do you mean by that is let's say you go and do the registry which i i haven't gone into the windows 10 registry but i expect it looks like the windows xp registry yeah it's basically the same right so the same like ui paradigms from windows i was about to say windows xp but 95 95 with the old icons they'll keep the same ui paradigms but just replace the icon with i yes that's what they announced today and the internet is oh kind of goodness. losing their shit. Like, if, oh my goodness, Windows. Like, the, uh, there's still a place where you can see the old shutdown icon from Windows 95, which was like this big CRT monitor with a moon on it and pixel oh, art. Oh, yes. And they're replacing it with like this really ugly LCD <laughs> for Windows 10. Um, and I think that shows up like when you go really deep into uh, energy saver preferences in uh, control panel mm-hmm. or something. Um, so like... I think John Gruber has kind of uh, yes. brought this up a lot where like there are so many layers of advanced buttons that like each time you click on one, you go down a generation of Windows to like Windows mm-hmm. XP, Windows 95, and then you pretty much hit the bottom. Uh, and that is still very much a thing. Uh, I, I think you're sort of, maybe it's because of how big of a role it had in the 95, 98 xp era to some degree uh registry doesn't really matter anymore uh, for like 99 percent of usage like you don't really have to care about the registry at all which is good that's good to hear because it made no sense for end users to ever touch that shit uh <laughs> i don't think it makes ever sense for devs to touch that shit either uh, to a certain degree i think i've opened the registry maybe once in five years okay, and that's good it was not actually able to resolve the problem I was having. So for for the most part, you don't really have to think about the registry. It's just like this really obtuse preference file somewhere <laughs> that that's right. doing things. But yeah, like I, I think when things start falling down, or also like if you're trying to do something that is not the most common case you are going to run into weird usability issues. And then there's just weird stuff like philosophically where they organize shit. Like uh, I I was telling you this when we were talking about the language switcher, because uh, if I take a screenshot of my machine at work, like my language menu clearly has English, French, and Japanese in it. I know, and mine is just French. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I know you can do dynamic language switching because I've done it. It used to be in French before, and now I have English and somehow Japanese installed on my work machine. Um, so it, it can be done. It's just I have no idea where to tell you to look for that because I can't find it anymore. I know I've done it once, but I can't find it. And the same thing is for like uh, the keyboard menu. If you're trying to add new keyboards to your thing, like... I've added uh, English United States and Japanese to my keyboards at work like four years ago. I can't find where I do that anymore. And sometimes it's a problem because I set up machines for other people and I'm looking for the keyboard menu and I can't find where to add them. And there are a bunch of really weird things like that all over the system preferences app or whatever it's called, control panel, where I don't know who at Microsoft comes up with the philosophy or where they put these things or how they organize them but it makes no sense to me as a as a mac user whereas for the most part the mac preferences are in a place that makes sense like there's weird stuff like general which is just like here's the junk drawer of the shit we don't know what to do and to some degree accessibility comes to that as well 
but for the most part, it's just structurally organized in a much saner way than Windows, where it's just like nonsense three quarters of the time. Yeah, and I guess that's what I was expecting I would run into earlier than what's happening right now. So I understand your point that, you know what, like you might be correct that things went well. And you know what, I didn't buy a, a tower. So because I, I think it also was backed by, I was about to say a real manufacturer, but by a manufacturer, <laughs> a big manufacturer, I should say. A reputable one. Right. That's two. Uh, I think that like a lot of sm- small things that could have gone wrong is taken care of because Lenovo has their own app, for example, to download all the drivers. I, I don't have to go spunkling around to figure it out and install the driver or unload it first and try this other one and all that, do that fun stuff, quote unquote, that I think it helped. But, but I agree with you that once things will start to go sideways, and hopefully that will be in a long time, uh, but that I'll have to go to do a lot of Googling to figure out things and especially relearn what I've learned a long time ago at Windows to debug things. And I guess I'm not looking forward for this. I can think of a couple other things too. Like uh, whenever you have to do anything having to do with networking that is like vaguely off from defaults, you're going to wind up in Windows 98 Windows uh, control panel again because that shit has literally never changed. Uh, mm. Like th- That is exactly the same as how I remember it being in 98. And spoilers, it's not good. Uh, if you have to do... Well, uh, I don't think you're going to be doing development on the machine, so you're probably safe for this. But if you have to do anything involving certificates compared to what we Ooh. have on the Mac, it is atrocious. Uh <laughs> It's I'm not sure I want to know what you have to do for this. Yeah, no, it's just really, 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 really bad. Uh, yeah, it's there are a lot of weird edge cases, though I will admit that the consumer user experience is far better than it used to be. And if you're planning to use this laptop as a consumer would, you're probably going to be relatively satisfied with this especially coming from like xp in those days because the experience is much much better uh you sort of you skipped over the entire windows 8 fiasco which is great uh because that was not uh really fun for anyone really even people who liked how windows 8 looked as a tablet os right and it's funny because now i think of it i've skipped over all the problematic windows version of the past 20 years yeah i've used xp i used windows 7 and now i've used windows 10 uh i think i might have used a bit vista because when i started dating with tony he had a tower that could have been on vista that we updated to windows 7 uh, my memory is fuzzy for this literally 10 years ago uh but i recall having a couple of experience with vista but never really fully used it so and again people love xp even if it was a security l but people still loved it People loved Windows 7, and I think people were still on Windows 7 up until Windows 10 got better with those updates that changed the OS a lot. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think that has stabilized in the recent year or two years. Like Windows 10, yes, is evolving, but it's not as drastic as it used to be like three or four years ago. Mm, No, it's still pretty quite significant. Okay, Uh, Okay. then I'm eager to see those updates. 
Yeah, I think you see like one or two big updates every year that add significant user interface features like you would see in a yearly macOS update. Okay. Okay. I'm uh I'm eager to see that. Oh, this reminds me one thing I I didn't have to deal with because the, the I don't know if it's a Lenovo thing. I think it's kind of a uh, UEFI UEFI thing where the key, the Windows key is embedded in the BIOS somehow. And then it auto register itself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So I don't have like I don't have a sticker on uh, below the, uh, on the bottom of the laptop. I just like install Windows, and Windows is like yeah, it's registered. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's nice. Not having to deal with that, and then also it removed a bit of not insecurity but concerns. Like oh yeah, but if I reinstall the OS, and I know Windows loves keys, what should I do? And then that's another thing in the guide. That's yeah, I think. Starting the remember when I say the X two X, so I think it's around uh, the X two twenty. I think it's a, the second generation. They start to have that in most laptop, and I think it's dependent on Intel features uh, related to the UEFI. Again, I might be wrong. We might have follow up in two weeks about that. But more moral of the story is the Windows key is burned in the laptop. Yes, you can change it if you want to have another Windows key, but because those came with win- Windows. Uh, Windows 7 Pro, I think, or even Windows 10 Pro at that time. Uh, like I had the nice version of Windows 10, so I don't really care to get another key because it's already there. So that was uh, a nice, easy way to reinstall Windows because don't need to, get to care about the software key. And if you remember, like uh, there was a there was a program for a while where you could get free updates of Windows 10 if you had a Windows 7 machine. Mm-hmm. And I believe basically any Lenovo uh, CD key that was on a sticker, if you had one of those, is just automatically accepted by Windows 10 as a Windows 10 key. Yeah, that's something that is mentioned in the, the ThinkPad Buyer's Guide. They, they said that if you have a Windows 7 and 10 key, if you're not part of that other part, uh, the, the new system I'm talking about, uh, this gets grandfathered in into Windows 10. So I was like, okay, you know what? If I had to resort, to, if I end up with a laptop that has a sticker key, at least I can get to Windows 10. Yep. Good. I think that concludes more or less what I had to say about my Lenovo laptop. Uh, I'll keep you all posted in the next weeks and months to come about things I love, things I run in, problems I run into. Uh, and hopefully, slowly but sure, I'll build my knowledge to uh, more car software stuff. I'm always kind of been interested by that. I think uh, if I go on a small tangent to conclude this episode... I recall one day when I was on the track and I was talking with somebody that is that was doing uh, engine mapping. Right? You say, oh, you need to insert fuel and air and all that fun stuff. And it was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a software developer. So I kind of understand what you mean, but I don't understand what you mean. So it was really interesting to have this conversation with this person that was specializing in engine mapping and decoding behind <laughs> uh, the computer of the engine. It was, we didn't win deep because I think we talked for maybe five minutes it's like, oh, what do you do in live and blah, blah, blah type of conversation. But the software side of cars and compu- the computers as I always fascinates me. And I'm slowly but surely trying to get better at this. So hopefully uh, by getting a Windows laptop, I'll be able to do more of that fun stuff. Sweet. So you can find the show notes for this episode at littlestpossibility.net slash 160160. 160. 
You can also find all of our back catalog at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. You can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakurina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And Lucadier is at? Lucanoche. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.